this church is. Um, I was sitting in the balcony during Sunday school or small church, whichever you want to call it. <laughs> um, and this morning was our joint Sunday school small church um, gathering for the quarter. And uh, while I was sitting up there, I was just thinking to myself how blessed this church is to have Dr. Renfro a part of our congregation who's not afraid to speak the holiness message. Um, and so Dr. Renfro, as, as I was sitting up there and listening, um, I was just reflecting on how, number one, mine and your theology are so close together in, in the Wesleyan message of holiness, but also how it resonates with my message today. And so I just want to say thank you for being obedient to the Lord and, and standing up and speaking what many people do not want to hear today. And so we thank you very much for, for being a part of our church and sharing. Many of you know that today on the liturgical calendar is what's called Transfiguration Sunday. Uh, are, are you all familiar with the Transfiguration? I hope so because we read the passage of Scripture already in your presence. Okay, uh, It is where Jesus is up on a mountain. Um, I think it was Peter, James, and John are up there as well. And Jesus is transfigured, meaning his face brightens up, his clothes turn white. And then you had Moses and Elijah up there with him. And Peter, James, and John are like, we need to build three shelters. You remember that passage of scripture Pastor Tanisha read to us just a moment ago? When he was glowing, okay, they called that a transfiguration. And this is, the, this is the Sunday of the year, uh, happens every year, where we celebrate that transfiguration. And so, you know, we often in the church hear a lot about transformation, right? And especially on days like today, we hear the word transfiguration. And we often don't know what either one of those really mean when it comes to, to biblical terms because transforming can be a lot of things. Thomas, Thomas gets on to me a lot because anytime I hear someone speak of transforming, I always ask, what is the form that's being transformed? <laughs> okay, that's just my analytical mind. And so I want to know what it is that is being transformed. And then um, when you get to transfiguration, that's just a big hairy word that we really, most people are like, okay, maybe it means to glow and to be bright. That's what a lot of people think it means. But in fact, that's not what it means at all. So let me share with you what transformation means. And it basically means a marked change in character or appearance, especially one for the better, Okay. Hopefully it's for the better, okay? Um, so that could be something as simple as getting your hair done, okay? And if it, hopefully it's for the better, you get your hair done, you get it colored, ladies, and somebody will come and say, man, what a transformation that occurred. Um, men never know how really to say that because men feel like we'll get in trouble if we say, man, what a great transformation, because we're afraid women will be like, are you saying that I wasn't pretty before? That is something for the... Right, men? Okay? So we just say, you look beautiful. 
okay, and all the time, okay? But that's transformation. But then you have transfiguration, okay? And basically what that means is a change that exalts or glorifies, okay? A change that exalts or glorifies. So it's much, it's much deeper than just a transformation. It's much deeper than just a change of appearance. It is a change that points to something else, okay? So, for example, whenever someone has a beauty makeover, they're hoping that they will look better themselves. But when there's a transfiguration, that is a change that's basically saying, hey, let me point you to someone who's a lot better than I am in gl giving glory to God, not to ourselves. Does that make sense? And so we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. But before we do, I want to um, just kind of summarize with you those differences, okay? And help you to see that you as Christians are called to be transformed and transfigured. And what I mean by that is that you're not only supposed to be transformed into the image of Christ, you're also supposed to reflect his glory, and let me just say up from the get-go that I do not mean when I speak of you and I being transfigured that we're going to walk around with our faces glowing and our clothes being bright. Okay, that's not what I'm referring to. What I'm referring to is us reflecting the glory of God, which the Apostle Paul speaks of in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn there with me, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 12 through 18. The NIV translates this passage this way. It says, therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses. Remember, um, Pastor Thomas read this passage earlier. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the Old Covenant is read. That's the Old Testament. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But when anyone or whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory and are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory. You catch that? With ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So in preparing this sermon this morning, I came across a quote that kind of summarized, I think, what I believe it means to be transformed and transfigured. It comes from Keith Drury. Many of you are familiar with Keith Drury. But he writes that it is because of Christ's atonement that we draw near to God with unveiled faces and are transformed into his likeness, moving from one level of intimacy to the next with ever-increasing glory. 
It just paints a, a beautiful picture of what it means to be transformed and at the same time reflecting the glory of God. So for those of you that are taking notes, let me just give you a quick outline of my sermon for this morning so you can kind of have that as we dive through it. Uh, number one, I, I want to talk to you about the atonement of Christ and how that allows us to commune with God, okay? And I know for some of you here this morning, you may be like, the atonement, what does that mean? And, and I'll explain that, okay? But the atonement of Christ is what allows us to commune with God. And then secondly, I'm going to share with you how transformation gives us direction, okay? Transformation gives us direction, meaning toward Christ-likeness. So many times you ask the question, okay, if I'm supposed to be transformed, what am I supposed to be transformed into? Well, biblical transformation gives us that direction of saying you are to be transformed into Christ-likeness, okay? And let me just say this from the get-go, okay? That is not a transformation that will only happen at death, that is a transformation that can happen here and now, okay? And that's what we call holiness. We believe that when the Holy Spirit dwells in us, that the Holy Spirit can, can take control of us and that we can live a life like Christ here on earth. That it's not something we have to wait until we go to heaven for, okay? And so number three, what I'm going to talk to you about is transfiguration gives us a purpose. So if transformation gives us direction, transfiguration gives us a direction, um, I mean a purpose, which is to reflect the glory of God. Have you ever thought, so many people um, have made tons amount of money on writing books about what is your purpose, okay? And the Bible makes it so very clear and simple that every one of us has the same purpose, okay? Now, you can go out and you can read secular things, and they're going to tell you that one person's purpose, it may be different than your purpose. No, no, no. Scripture says that we were all created for the purpose of giving glory to God, of reflecting God's glory to all creation, okay? And so that's the direction we're going to go with. Let's pray together before we dive in. Father, as we look into your word, I pray, Father, that, first of all, you will forgive us of our sins. We pray, Lord, that you will purify us, have mercy on us, because we are sinners. We pray, Father, that in this service and outside of this service, that you will continue just to mold us into your likeness. And Lord, show us the ways in which we are reflecting your glory and ways in which we can improve the ways that we reflect your glory today. May you be glorified in this service and in our lives. In Christ's holy name I pray, amen. So the atonement of Christ allows us to commune with God, okay? Some of you who've read the New Testament, you know that when Christ died on the cross, the veil in the temple was what? It was torn. Was it torn from the bottom or from the top? 
top down, right? Signifying that it was something that God had done, not something man had done. And so when Christ died, we call that the atonement, the work that was done on the cross. What Christ did was he not only died for our sins, and believe me, folks, that is an important work that took place on the cross, okay? But he also, in, 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 in the work of the cross, when that veil was torn, it allowed us to be able to commune with God. Now, have you ever thought about that? To be able to go into the presence of God, that we have that privilege today, folks. We have the privilege of being able to commune with God. So, just a few moments ago, Pastor Thomas was up here sharing with you that sometimes he gets cold chills when he's singing, okay? And what is that? That is the presence of God just speaking to him, right? You know why that's possible? Because of the atonement, okay? It is because of the work of Christ on the cross, not your work, not my work, but it's because of what Christ has done that we can worship in the presence of God today. Now, folks, let me tell you something. If we lived in the Old Testament times, they would be jealous of us today because not everybody could go into the presence of God. Nobody, I mean, even once a year, someone was allowed to go in and then they wrapped a, a rope around them just in case they died, they'd have to pull them out. You know the stories, right, in the Old Testament. And so today, we have that opportunity to be in the presence of God. And you know what, folks, let's be honest. We take it for granted, don't we? We take it for granted. Some of us, let's be honest, some of us don't always want to be in church on Sunday mornings because we've gotten so used to being able to be in the presence of God that we've taken it for granted. And it's become a chore to be in the house of God and in his presence. But here's the good news of the gospel. It's not only in here where you can commune with God. You can commune with God anywhere. And that is a huge blessing that we have. Now, I've been reading some studies, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit more, but um, a little bit later in my sermon, but people often look like those they hang around with. Have y'all heard this before? So, for example, while I was researching this, um, all you have to do is what do people, when people look like those that they hang around with, for some reason, um, sometimes people say that they look like their pets. Have y'all heard this? You know, like if you have a dog that the dog and the owner often look a lot alike, okay? Um, and so I went online and started Googling this, Im these images. I would encourage you to do that, okay? I am amazed at the number of people who look like dogs. <laughs> or dogs that look like humans. Who knows, right? But they say that that's all because a person who is always around their pet, they begin to look alike. Now, isn't there, isn't there a lesson in that for us in Christianity that those of us who commune with God on a regular basis, that we would begin to look like the one whom we commune with? 
that being God. And we'll talk a little bit about that in just a few moments as we talk about transformation that gives us direction. But I want you to know this before we move on, that when you are communing with God, you cannot help but be transformed by God. Okay? It's not even, it's not even up for debate. <laughs> if you are in the presence of God, you will be transformed, folks. Do you hear me? Um, that's the God we serve. Problem is, as many of us do not want to put ourselves in a place to allow God's presence to be around us. In, in the Wesleyan church, we call these means of grace, which basically means when we read scripture, we're trying to put ourselves in a place where God could just pour his grace on us, and by doing so, we are transformed into his likeness. Or when we pray, when we take communion, all of these kinds of things, we put ourselves in these positions of saying, Lord, I'm in this position because I want you to pour your grace upon me and transform me into your likeness. So when we commune with God, we can't help but be transformed. Which leads me to transformed into what? And I've already shared with you into Christ likeness. Recently, Pastor Thomas was listening to a podcast. And as soon as the podcast gets done, I'm assuming as soon as it's done, he sends me this text. Can a person be half Jewish or half a Jew and half a Christian? Now, on this podcast, this lady was speaking and she said, I'm half Jew and I'm half Christian. And the guy that's speaking on there says, what do you mean? She said, well, um, my, my mother is Jewish, but my father is a Christian. Therefore, I'm half and half. Now, you all laugh at that, right? And so Thomas sends me this question because he's laughing as well because he knows the answer. It is impossible to be both, right? You're either a practicing Jew or a practicing Christian. You can't be both, okay? As many people in, in our world do today, they think that if they can get the dog tags of every religion, they're going to be okay, okay? They want to try to play it safe. Listen, you can only, if you're a Christian, that's all you can be. You can't be a Christian and something else. You're either all in or all out, okay? And so we laugh at the idea of being a half Christian, right? But can I tell you that while I don't know many Christians who claim to be half Christians, I do know many Christians who are half-hearted. Do you hear me in this? I don't know many Christians who will claim to be half Christians, but I do know of a lot of Christians who are half-hearted, meaning they're not all in in, in in their faith. They don't want to look like Christ. They want the benefits of Christ. They don't want to be transformed. They just want to get to heaven. Do you understand what I'm saying? When the gospel tells us that we are to be transformed here on earth into the likeness of Christ. Okay? So we want the benefits without having to be transformed. And folks, we all know that that's not possible. Okay? 
We have to be Christ-like. And it goes back to this whole idea of being around a person. And the more that you're around that person, the more you look like that person. Okay? So you remember I was telling you about the pets and people looking like their pets. Did you know that there's actual academic studies that have been done, okay, of people that if you hang out with another individual, not your pet this time, another individual, that you will begin to actually look like that individual. Have you ever wondered why people who've been married for 100 years, okay, look alike, okay? Um, I know of some couples, every time you see them, they're both smiling. And then I've seen some couples that their chin and nose, both of them, touch. Because they walk around like this all the time. And it's the husband and the wife that's that way. And it's almost like, how does that happen? And so there's been an academic study done on this. And here's what they wrote, okay? And I can, I can even get you the article. It's in Psychology Today. But it says, besides the influence of makeup, okay? So, for example, if Hannah's got friends at school and they start wearing makeup a certain way, she's going to start wearing makeup that way. We've seen that, right? They're saying, wait a minute, it goes way beyond that, okay? So, besides the influence of makeup, the study actually found that physical faces of friends tend to look alike and share structural features, in fact, according to Psychology Today, and this is a quote, over time, there is the possibility that friends' faces become more alike because of using similar facial expressions. Lots of frowning or laughing or looks of disgust may actually lead to changes in facial patterns. What does that teach us? You better hang out with some pretty people. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? That you can actually start having the same facial features of the people that you are around the most. And when I think about the transfiguration and being in the presence of God, is it possible for us as Christians to spend enough time in the presence of God that we actually begin to look like Christ. Now, I'm not talking about our facial features begin to change and we grow a beard and what we think Jesus... I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about an inward change inside of us so that we've spent so much time in the presence of God that His character is fingerprinted upon our character and we begin to live as Christ himself has lived and folks that's why I mean it's taught we, we are taught this in scripture and it's backed up in academic studies today that the people we are around the most are the people we are going to look a lot look the most like and if we call ourselves Christians and as Dr. Renfro reminded us this morning that means little Christ ones. If we are the little Christ ones, that means we should be spending enough time in the presence of God that our character is just like Christ. 
And we are literally the little Christ ones. Do you hear me, church? So why is it that so many people in the church today are not acting like Christ? Well, the answer is simple. They're not spending time in the presence of God. And folks, coming to church on Sunday morning is not going to help you except for a very small bit of becoming like Christ. It is something you have to spend time in the presence of God every single day. Every single day. And so when people come to me and they say, well, why is so-and-so in the church doing this? And why is so-and-so in the church doing that? I always try to give the pastoral answer. Because you know what would really stink? It's for me to look at them and say, well, because they haven't been spending time in the presence of God. But isn't that the truth? What if I started saying that? What if, okay, I'm going to use my wife for an example because I can't get in trouble with her. But let's just say somebody comes up. <laughs> let's just say somebody comes up and says, I can't believe Laura's acting like dot, 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 dot. And I just come back and say, I can. She hadn't been spending time in the presence of God. You know where that's going to get me? In trouble. Okay? But isn't it the truth when people are acting in unchristlike ways that the truth of the matter is they have not been spending time in the presence of God? Folks, it's worth us evaluating our own lives to see if we've been spending time in the presence of God because we certainly don't want to be an excuse for somebody else to fall. Which leads me to the transfiguration. What Paul teaches us, if you look at verse 18, he says that when we are transformed, and then he goes on and says, with ever-increasing glory. Okay? And so what Paul is teaching us is, is that the more that you submit to the transformation of being like Christ, the more you will reflect Christ. That's the difference between transformation and transfiguration. It's a both-and, church. You're not supposed to just be transformed, and that's it. You're also supposed to be reflecting the, pres or reflecting the glory of God in your life. So the more that we allow Christ to take over our lives, and the more we, through the Holy Spirit, become more like Christ, the more we will reflect the glory of God. Do you hear me? And so, when you're in your home, and issues get high, and tension gets high, the question you could ask your spouse is, are you reflecting the glory of God right now? Better yet, instead of your spouse having to ask you that question, wouldn't it be better if you ask yourself that question, am I reflecting the glory of Christ in my attitude and actions right now? Not only in my home, but in my workplace, and so on. Okay? And so that leads us to transfiguration, gives us a purpose, which is to glorify God. Now, Pastor Tanisha read just a few moments ago, Luke chapter 9, verses 28 through 36, which is the transfiguration. And as, as you see, Jesus was, and I want you to pay attention to this, as he was glowing, 
He was revealing his glory. That's what was happening. He was revealing his glory. And as Christians, okay, we cannot reveal God's glory because we're not the source of that. So Christians aren't called to reveal God's glory. We're called to reflect God's glory. And that's what Paul talks about, okay? There's a difference between revealing, which is only something God himself can do, but he calls us to reflect that revealing to the, to the world. And so when I speak of our transfiguration, I am speaking of that inward change, that glory, not an outward glory, but an inward characteristics becoming like God that reflects to the world that there is something far better than Matt Mitchell. That there is a heavenly God. That there is a king. That there is something much more important in this world than me. And I reflect that glory to give glory to God Almighty. Murray Harris says, again, the glory displayed is not outwardly on the face, but inwardly in the character. The motivating factor of transformation into Christ's likeness is not so you can get into heaven, folks. It is so that you can give glory to God. And folks, I would say this. If your motivating factor for worshiping Christ is just to get to heaven, I would say, okay, that there is much more to Christianity than just getting to heaven. That God actually wants to partner with you in reflecting his glory through you. And that should be your major motivation of being able to give glory to God. I'm going to ask Pastor Thomas to come up. He's going to play a song. And I want you just to close your eyes, and I want you to listen to the lyrics of this song, okay? I want you to pay attention. Because it speaks of reflecting the glory of God. And as you listen to this song... I want you to ask yourself a couple of questions. One, am I really communing with God? Am I spending enough time in the presence of God for him to transform me? Secondly, I want you to ask the question of, is there any visible evidence in my life that shows that I am transformed? <laughs> I mean, can people look at me and the way that I live my life and tell that God is transforming me into his likeness? And then third, I would ask you to reflect upon in what ways are you reflecting God's glory? And in what ways are you not? And be honest with yourself. Perhaps God's reminding you of a time this past week where you did not reflect the glory of God. And as always, as we sing this song, or as Thomas sings, I want to open up the altar for you to come and to pray to God. If you feel God nudging you and saying, hey, you know what? You haven't been reflecting my glory in this area. Come and see God's forgiveness and say, Lord, help me with your Holy Spirit. Change me.
If you feel convicted of saying, you know, Lord, I realize I haven't been spending as much time in your presence as I should so that I can be transformed into your likeness. Come pray to God and say, God, change my heart. Help me to desire you more than I desire anything else in this world. Okay? So with every eye closed, just listen to the lyrics. And if you feel the Lord speaking to you and you want to respond, I encourage you to come to the front just to speak with the Lord.